0: The show you love with even more local, local news, news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas.
1: And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV on this Friday afternoon. And if it's Friday, it's also What's on your mind Friday? Remember, Monday through Thursday, we like to keep the phone calls focused on the topics at hand. On Friday, we kick back a little bit and want to know what's on your mind. So we open the phones and uh, give that opportunity to you. Part of our ongoing commitment to be live and local and make sure your voice is heard. And on Fridays, we open the topics up to What's on Your Mind Friday. Our phone number, 209 551-3483, 209-551-3483. 551-3483, 551 uh, as, we, as we begin the show today, I, I marvel at men and women of skill in, in all types and uh, variants of careers. Uh, earlier today, well, earlier this week, on our home property, is a large tree. It's been there for 27 years, I think. And uh, part of that large tree, inexplicably, half of it fell down. There was no wind, nothing. And I've been told the issue is that as water percolates, in, in very hot weather, water percolates up through the tree, and it apparently pulls extra water. And what happens is those uh, those limbs and those branches get very heavy. And it doesn't matter if there's any wind or not. After a while, uh, if there's any type of uh, scar or fissure or whatever, uh, those huge limbs will come down. And that's what happened is uh, ha- pretty much half the tree fell down. And uh, before I got to the clandestine studio here, when I was at home, I was... I was watching these guys who came to take care of that huge part of the tree that came down. It was amazing to watch them. It, it was like a choreographed precision dance. And they, they scooted up that tree and w- with their lines and had their belay lines and all of that, and, and uh, with their chainsaws, and then they brought in the heavy equipment, chopped that thing up, and they were in and out of our property inside of about, oh, I don't know, a half hour or less. It would have taken me a whole week with my little chainsaw and maybe with my teeth, who knows, trying to deal with that. Anyway, uh, it was uh, a, a sight to behold. And I, I just appreciate having the skill, having the, the right tools and as you know, one of my right tools is my good old John Deere rider mower. And my thanks again to uh, my buddy Greg Rivera in Oakdale, who uh, brought John Deere back from the dead. And uh, you, you got to have the right to There's w- one summer I was—I have a lot of property where there are titanium weeds, and I was out there w- many years ago with a push mower. Trying to do that, and, and a neighbor who had a uh, had a uh, tractor was watching me. and He finally came out and he says, "Man, Mike, you're killing me! You're killing me! What? Here, take my tractor, and and stop that with the uh, with the mower." And uh, so, eventually, I was able to get a John Deere mower. And, and anyway, the point is, having the skill, having the right tool, makes all the difference in the world. And I just marvel at people who have. Skills that I don't have, and uh, I saw that today. The tree is going to survive, by the way. Uh, About half of it is gone, but I'm assured it will grow back. And uh, so, anyway, uh, a credit, a credit to uh, guys out there with skill. I I applaud you. All right, it's What's On Your Mind Friday, 209-551-3483. Now let's get right to it. Let's go to the phones. Ed from Tracy, what's on your mind today, Ed?
2: I'm talking about um, more than a month ago when uh, when the argument was about overturning Roe v. Wade, and uh, the case was the Dobbs case, and uh, there there was a leak, and it's still... Has not been addressed uh, to try to find that guy and uh, deal with him. But anyway, um, at a later week, um, Chief Justice was dealing with uh, end end of the session issues, and on Friday, unexpectedly and suddenly, he gave the decision on the Dobbs case, and they closed it and they went away. I think it was a brilliantly timed. and nobody talked about that. Um, there were so many uh, political opponents that wanted to have a big uh, to do and bad mouthing of whatever, and it really startled them. They thought it was going to have to wait till uh, Saturday or, or till Monday or something. And he knocked it out of the ballpark right fast, and they didn't know what they had to do, and they didn't have any more time. Um, Chief Justice made a smart, tactical decision not to have a big fight. It was smart and, um, and effective. There was no uh, people that were trying to, to have a, a big fight were, were cut off short. So anyway, I thought that was a wonderful thing that got no credit.
1: Okay? Yeah, it's an interesting observation, Ed. So uh, let me ask you a question just to dig a little deeper here. Do you think they still need to pursue and identify who made the leak?
2: Yes, yes. Um, right now not only have they failed to really investigate who was the leaker, but in the entirely separate issue of this Mar-a-Lago thing, the, um, nothing is as dangerous. If they, if they do a good revelatory uh, explanation of, of uh, where these decisions came from, the guys that work for Trump are happy. They like to work there, and he treats them well. And you give away the name of the mole, and you don't want even to be in his skin.
1: Ed, uh, yeah, one of the things that I'm troubled about, and I'm, I'm looking down the line a little bit, is the precedent that's set. If there's no invest, and we don't know right now whether they're really investigating or not. If there's no investigation, a precedent has been set that it is okay, really, to leak that kind of information, leak a Supreme Court decision before it's publicized. And that I think that needs to be uh, nipped in the bud. That needs to be dealt with. And whoever, I don't know if it's a actual criminal issue. Uh, I do think, however, it's an integrity issue. It's a security issue. And at the very least, whoever did that uh, needs to... Uh, maybe be disbarred, but definitely needs to leave the service of the Supreme Court. Ed, great point. Thanks for your call. Appreciate that very much. Ed from Tracy, and, and that's something, Ed, that's been on my mind quite a bit. What about that issue? What about the leak? Uh, Ed, good good job of connecting the dots there. We appreciate that. On What's on Your Mind Friday, 209-551-3483, our number, 209-551. 551 five, 3483. Let's go up the road of peace to Manteca and James. James, what's on your mind today?
3: Yes, hi, Mike. Uh, thank you for being a policeman and protect us for so long. But I'm very much a police supporter. I'm not a policeman, but I give a lot of money to them. Uh, I was watching cops, and they had the high speed chases, and they had the camera right in the police car. So you- you're watching the television, and it's like you're in the police car driving. And I was thinking, gosh, there must be so many things going through the, the uh, policeman's mind, chasing that guy. The guy doesn't care, going 110 miles an hour down the freeway over the lawn, side swiping people left and right. And I was thinking, you know, the police, should I keep going? Should I back off? What should I do? Am I going to kill myself, kill somebody on the road? Have you ever been in that or talked with other officers, to the sensation? Because it is something, even yeah. watching it
1: yeah James uh, thanks for the question. I appreciate that very much. Uh, James here and, and I'm giving you uh, you asked about me personally and i'm I'm giving you information and and again, I was active law enforcement a long time ago uh, more than 30 35 years ago but uh, in terms of principle, many things happen in a pursuit, especially if you're the one uh, who's the lead car. Uh, typically, at least back then, and I believe it's still true now, they try to have another unit actually call the pursuit. That means we're now uh, westbound on Brigsmore, uh, approaching McHenry. We're now northbound on McHenry, north of Brigsmore. Now we're approaching Floyd. Uh, you want the lead car focusing on a lot of different things at the same time, safety uh, of the public, uh, believe it or not, safety of the of the vehicle being pursued, and uh, th- there are a lot of considerations uh, in- involved here, and so it's beneficial to have another unit calling with the direction of where the pursuit is going. And then it is incumbent upon uh, the field sergeant or the watch commander, whoever happens uh, to be uh, the supervisorial authority at the time to make sure that what's happening in the per, in the pursuit is according to the procedures of that department. And James, right now, the procedures are a lot more strict than they were when when I was in in uh, in law enforcement. Uh, I was never the driver uh, during a pursuit. I was in a two man car. I was a passenger. Uh, helping call the pur- pursuit and as a police dispatcher which is where I started my law enforcement career uh, I had many uh and many pursuits that uh, I called as a as a dispatcher and and they're just as you probably uh, know and, and you mentioned a couple of minutes ago there are just uh <laughs> really dozens and dozens of things that are going through my pursuits are actually very dangerous. And one of the the main things today, especially with the cameras and uh, especially with uh, more cars on the road and and such is is making sure that the public is safe and that the vehicle being pursued doesn't create, uh, you know, death and destruction along the way. I don't know, James, does that help at all?
3: Yes, yes. Um, something else, though. Now, if it's uh, if it's a, a kidnapping of a child, or they can sometimes call it off if it's not a kidnapping. But in the case of it is kid kidnapping and there's a child in the, the getaway car, do the police go after that car no matter what? They just do not call
2: it off.
1: Well, I I think I think that uh, that really is is determined by the circumstances uh... whether or not there's a child in the car the safety issues are, are still at hand that's why we have helicopters that's why we have helicopters now uh, you get that uh, you get that chopper up there to follow the pursuit and of course in a place like Los Angeles, you've also got news helicopters up there as well. Not so much here in uh, in Stanislaus County. Probably more so maybe in the Sacramento area, you'll have uh, the news up there as well. But uh, that's where the value of the um, of the uh, air air force, so to speak, the law enforcement helicopters come in. They're able to follow the car, the units can back off and you can put other agency a, a, ahead, they can Uh, Think about doing spikes uh, on the road. They can uh, think about doing pit maneuvers. Uh, But it all depends, as you say, upon who's in the car. Uh, Is it a child? What kind of safety concerns are there? And again, you want to make very sure that we don't endanger the public as well. Uh, good thoughts there, James. Thank you very much for that. You're listening to What's On Your Mind Friday here on the Mike Douglas Show. I talked about my respect for people who know what they're doing a couple of minutes ago, and one of the guys I really respect because he does know what he's doing when it comes to real estate is Dan Phipps. Now, interest rate hikes, if you haven't noticed, they're slowing home price growth in some areas, but you can still get top dollar for your home right now with Dan Phipps. Maybe you're worried about costly repairs or the upgrades needed to sell your home. Well, if you are, I recommend you call Dan Phipps. Dan will sell your house for free if he doesn't get multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value. Dan's Home Selling Program, it's designed to maximize your sales price. I love the terms, no required costly repairs. You you pick your move date, and Dan can even find you a new home before you move. Melody in Oakdale, she had to sell quickly, didn't have the time or the money to do a whole bunch of repairs and upgrades. Dan said no problem. He could sell it as is, and he did. He sold Melody's home with no repairs for an amazing price. So call Dan Phipps. Dan's the man I recommend guaranteeing multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111 or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three P's, D A N P H I P P S. dot and what's on your mind Friday continues in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV.
0: Here's more with the voice of the Valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV and streamed on the iHeart Radio app.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on What's on Your Mind Friday. Our phone number to tell us what's on your mind, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. As we uh, take your calls today, I also want to cover a couple of interesting things haven't been able to get to uh, this week. Here's an interesting note, uh, the UC Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies has released a poll today very interesting poll and they uh, surveyed uh, let's see between August 9 and August 8 uh, August 15 uh, over 9000 registered California voters and they asked them a couple of questions about the upcoming presidential election in November of 2024 and question uh, 1 was do you favor or oppose Joe Biden running for a second term as president in 2024. Very interesting, and you may not find these uh, results to be too surprising. Uh, Democrats in California, registered uh, voters, Democrat registered voters, uh, they they were split, this is interesting, 46% to 46%, basically, uh, between favoring and opposing Joe Biden running again. So the Democrats were, were basically split. Republicans were 87% opposed to Joe Biden running again, 9% in favor of Joe Biden running again. Now you may say, well, Mike, in fairness, how about the other guy who may be running? All right, well, there was a question about that, too. Do you favor or oppose Donald Trump running for president again in 2024? Well, Democrats opposed Donald Trump running again by 91% to 7%, and Republicans favored Donald Trump running again, 66% in favor, 29% uh, not in favor. So it was quite quite interesting, and then uh, th- this was also of of uh, interesting note as well. They were asking, well, if not Joe Biden, uh, then who would you support as a Democrat? And again, they were uh, they surveyed well over nine thousand people. The number one choice. Do you want to guess? Raise your hands. Okay, I, a lot of hands raised there. I, 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 I bet you're going to come up with it. The number one, well, actually number one and number two choice of uh, who they would like to see run, if not Joe Biden. It was a tie, really, between Gavin Newsom and Bernie Sanders, with Kamala Harris coming in third. That's interesting. Now, who who f- followed them? Well, at quite a distance, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Elizabeth Warren, Hillary Clinton, Stacey Abrams, Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker, Michael Bloomberg. Wow, we haven't really heard much from him lately, have, haven't we? So anyway, it was very, very interesting, I thought. Uh, not particularly uh, surprising, but uh, just interesting to kind of take a look at as we uh, at least head toward the midterms in 2024. And uh, also, as as we go on today, uh, I want to give you an update on some things we talked about earlier this week. One of them was, uh, we were talking about the CDC reforms, um, and uh, I... I think one of the issues regarding this whole idea of reforms at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is the words that are being used. The words that are being used, I think, are confusing people. Now, uh, the head of the CDC, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, earlier this week, said, to be frank, we are responsible for some pretty dramatic pretty public mistakes from testing to data to communications. Then it's reported the planned reset will revamp everything from the CDC's operations to its culture. Here it is, moving away from focusing on academic studies to instead prioritize responding to emerging emergencies. That's according to Bloomberg. Well, what does it mean, academic studies and Responding to emergence, Emerging Emergencies. On well, about 10, 15 minutes or so, I'm going to discuss that because I think the words are tripping us up and we're not talking about uh, talking about the same things. And I want to go back to what the CDC is supposed to do, and hopefully these reforms will point it in that direction. It's What's on Your Mind Friday, 209-551-3483. In- Five minutes, we'll find out what Frank from Oakdale has on his mind on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till
0: 5, on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thirteen sixty KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk Thirteen sixty KFIV.
1: And let's get back to the phones on What's on Your Mind Friday here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk Thirteen sixty KFIV. Again, What's on Your Mind Friday? It's uh, it's your time to uh, choose the topic. If there's something you want to have had discussed during this week, but we didn't, and you want to bring up that topic, today's the day. Our phone number, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Let's go to the cowboy capital of the world, Oakdale, California, and Frank. Frank, what's on your mind today?
4: Yeah, the latest dirty political trick the Democrats are employing to make this a one-party police state is they are politically attacking Republicans who've been involved in investigating voter fraud in in the 2020 election. The reason the Democrats are doing this is so that they can keep cheating. They're going after Trump, Lindsey Graham, congressmen, senators, lawyers on and on and on so they can keep cheating in future elections they they want to crush political opposition 80,000 more IRS tax agents to bleed Americans of their money they want total control in the US and they're basically implementing the same sort of tactics that Hugo Chavez implemented in Venezuela it was once a, the wealthiest country in Central South America, and now it's impoverished. And uh, basically, through the same tactics and to control the judges, the generals, the bureaucracies, you go Hugo Chavez use the same tactics, and now the communist government there controls everything. So in spite of the fact that the United States has been a beacon of freedom— to the whole world for 250 years. Now the Democrats are trying to snuff out the inspiration of U.S. freedom. And um, I'd like to cite the verse Matthew 12:36 that says, "Each man will give account for every word and deed before Almighty God." And the people who are working towards the communist police state in America are fulfilling Bible prophecy and they are hastening hastening their day of personal accountability before the Almighty God. Now, God created the whole universe, and I would challenge anyone who doesn't believe in God to look at pictures from the Hubble telescope. And he is very big, awesome, powerful, and it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. So presently, I'm praying for these people that they will repent before it's too late. But if they don't repent, the law of reaping and sowing will take effect, and the consequences will be severe. I can prove there's God in many ways. He's changed my life. I've changed. I know dozens and dozens of people whose lives have been changed. There's uh, one and a half billion Christians in the world. I see the creation. I see newborn babies. I have grandchildren. I watch them from day one, uh, how they change. In their early years, there's tons and tons. I look at the stars in the sky. There's so many things that prove that there is a God. And for some unfortunate reason, these people think that um, there will be no day of accountability. Well, I, I, they...
1: I agree with a lot of that, Frank, and, and you put a lot out there. So let me, uh, if you don't mind, let me take a a few moments to uh, respond to that. A couple of themes here. Uh, one, as a uh, as a pastor, of course, I, I have to agree with you, and uh, that is the, the evidence of, of God is all around us, and I, I don't think there's any doubt uh, about that. Uh, but uh, g- given that, I want to come back to uh, some of your original uh, comments there about— uh suspicions that elections are are not forthright uh frank i think one of the big issues involved there are the mail-in ballots i would like to see that go away i think the mail-in ballots provide the fodder for a lot of uh chicanery when it comes to the abuse of uh of, of voting rights and elections uh, so i I would agree with you that we need to proceed very carefully and we need to. I think we need to have election reform. It, a lot of things, a lot a, a lot of people, a lot of politicians uh, took the pandemic as a reason to uh, begin to install new kinds of voting methods that would benefit their particular party or their particular points of view and uh, it's another and so i think frank uh, we're, we're dealing with the fallout of uh, <clears throat> again another pandemic issue and that is that unscrupular unscrupulous folks took advantage of the pandemic to uh, to bring about voting methods that create the opportunities for, I believe, a a lot of fraud. And so I I think I I share your concerns uh, about the future. And you also talked about uh, having integrity and ultimately uh, standing before God and and, uh, explaining oneself. And, of course, not everybody's a believer, and not everybody would, uh, would believe that's going to be a factor. But I think, in general, the theme here, Frank, is that we, we need to get back to elevating integrity and honesty above winning. Ooh, that's tough, isn't it? Elevate integrity and honesty above winning. And added to that, one of the quotes from this week from Professor Alan Dershowitz, Professor Emeritus from the Harvard Law School. Don't always agree with Alan Dershowitz, but I respect him because he's consistent. And uh, this quote from one of his recent books, although I have always been a liberal Democrat, I have never put party over principle. I have never put party over over principle. So, Frank, let me give you the, the last word to round out the conversation here. Any uh, additional thoughts?
4: Yeah, I'd like to add that it's very interesting how when there's conservative initiative drives in California, all of a sudden they want to monitor every single signature to the point where they kicked out 30 percent of the signatures to recall Gascon. And yet, when it come, came to Biden being elected, they claimed there is only one percent irregularities. And as far as the uh, person you mentioned uh, regarding principle, I heard an interview uh, of him and how he's being canceled out by all kinds of uh, organizations, uh, liberal organizations, just because he's standing up for principle. They're telling him he can't speak at this function, that function, can't go to this party, can't go to that party, can't speak at libraries, public functions. So their level of tolerance is very interesting. They claim that we're the intolerant ones, but uh, he is a liberal. He voted for Biden, and um, he's a Democrat, but they canceled him out, too, because he didn't toe the line. So uh, their level of intolerance is uh, pretty high, and their behavior is quite hypocritical.
1: Yeah, uh, Frank, thank you. Uh, and, and by the way, friends, and you're right, uh, <laughs> Alan Dershowitz has uh, suffered from cancel- <laughs> cancellation by his own party. If you're interested, and, and Frank mentioned uh, him being canceled out, If you're interested in the documentation and the history of this excellent book, I'm not all the way through it yet, but an excellent book that was uh, just recently published. Let me look at the uh, uh, the date here. It's uh, it it just came, yeah, 2022, just came out this year uh, by Alan Dershowitz. It's called "The Price of Principle: Why Integrity Is Worth the Consequences." The price of principle, why integrity is worth the consequences, and it documents how uh, he has experienced uh, cancellation by his own party. He even talks about the fact how uh, he's he's not invited to parties uh, anymore that he used to be invited to. Uh, people that he used to socialize with no longer socialize with him, and th- this to me, and and it regardless regardless of what party you're associated with, there's, we really need to have a common commitment to honesty and integrity. And realize that we can have differences of opinion, that's fine, but to have those differences of opinion with honesty and integrity— and it's fine to have uh, different perspectives. But uh, I agree. And, and again, worth the read. Again, it's called The Price of Principle Why Integrity is Worth the Consequences uh, by Alan Dershowitz. It's What's on Your Mind Friday on the Mike Douglas Show, 209 551 3483. Let's go to Modesto and Kevin. Kevin, what's on your mind on this Friday? Yes, good
5: afternoon, Mike. Um, I wanted to talk about the whole situation with T.J. Cox, uh, it's unbelievable to me. I mean, it was, I, I, I first met him uh, in 2018 at the McHenry, Maps, Mc, McHenry Museum, and he had not even been elected to Congress yet, and he had this really slick, professional-looking staff that he brought with him. Uh, they looked like secret service agents. They are all dressed in three-piece suits. Uh, they, the way that they 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 held their bodies, the way they that the, the stance that they held when they stood and everything. It it was very dignified. Uh, uh, he looked like it looked like it was uh, the, a presidential entrance when he came into the into the uh, uh, man in, into the museum. As he was going up the steps, the way that his staff was aligned along the sides of the uh, staircase, the stairwell, and every, it looked like the president was coming into the building. Uh, I couldn't believe it. And now here you're facing up to 50 years in prison. Have you been following this story at all?
1: This is uh, T.J. Cox, the, the former congressman that's been um, uh, charged with, I think, what, maybe 28 Counts of alleged fraud. Am I right about that, Kevin?
5: Uh, all kinds of fraud. Election fraud was just one of them. Um, most of the fraud has to do with banking fraud. Uh, he he did not have the money to start this Granite Park in Fresno, and, and I don't really know what Granite Park is. Some sort of a construction project. Other than that, I don't. I guess it must have been a probably a subdivision. Uh, maybe a homes or something. So he apparently, this is all alleged. Let me put the, the term alleged up here because none of this has been proven in court. So all alleged that he uh, apparently uh, went to the bank and he did not have enough money to qualify for the loan. So he was also the head of some sort of a nonprofit, and he forged uh minutes from a board meeting that never took place and he forged these minutes uh, from a board meeting and approached the uh, bank and said that they had agreed that they would fund the project if it fell through that they would they were the co-signers they would be the co-signers Well, it was all phony, and uh, so then it did fall through. And then they went to this board, and the board didn't know anything about it. And then he uh, took a more, uh, allegedly, allegedly, I have to use that word, allegedly took out a loan on a home, and he said that he was gonna rent it out, and then he, no, he said that he was gonna live in it, excuse me, he said he was gonna live in it as his primary residence, and he got a, huge loan for this house, some sort of a big expensive house, and it turns out he rented the house out. He never lived in it, and then there he got all of his family members to uh, sign some sort of a document that they were all donating money to was campaign at the maximum, and they were all pretending to be chairmen of boards and stuff that they don't... They, that they weren't chairman of boards of, and, and I was all campaign fraud and all. all that, that's what he's... Anyway, that basically is what it is in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, uh, to my knowledge, Kevin, I, I think you have it nailed correctly, and, and uh, I I believe he's looking at... Um, Maybe 20 years in prison if convicted. I think a quarter of a million dollars in in fines. Uh, And then there's another 30 years in prison, I think, uh, for uh, wired fraud. Again, (laughs) very deep stuff. And, again, I don't know that people in this area are that familiar with him, and I, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. I think you probably are more... Well read on that uh, than I am. Any any final conclusions or thoughts on that, Kevin?
5: Well, I you know what I've wondered. I never understood why he lost when he ran for reelection. Uh, I'm I'm you know I don't live in Fresno, so I'm not that familiar with Fresno politics. But I, I don't know what happened. He apparently he lost everybody's support. He lost the support of. Uh, the Fresno B, I think he lost the support of the Fresno Democratic Party, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't know what happened. Do you know what happened? And this was this was before any of these scandals were known. Uh, I, the only thing that I know is that there was a question about his residence. He was unable to, to cooperate where he lived. And maybe that was enough of an issue because he never did settle that by the time of the second election, he never was able to establish where he lived and that may be the only issue. I don't know. Do you know why he lost? I,
1: the I, election, yeah, I, I don't know why he lost. I, I do believe he lost to uh, David Valadeo. Am I right about that? I think in 2020 uh, <laughs> and, and our, our folks in Fresno would probably have a better, uh, a better handle on that obviously uh the man is is dirty uh and and you know, we're talking oh, yeah. about you know issues of integrity uh good read on that kevin uh again uh, you you probably have a lot more detail on that and are more well read on that than i am but uh thanks for the background appreciate that thanks Not for your call perfect. today, kevin have a great weekend thank, thank you all right take care You too, thank you All right. Uh, Yeah, that that's a very interesting case. Uh, You do a search on that again. uh, It it's quite interesting, and I don't know why he what what the factors were that led to uh, David Valadeo having a a victory. Uh, Other because I think that predated knowledge of uh, some of these charges. Again, it's T J Cox C O X. And uh, down from uh, the the Fresno area, if you want to uh, take a look at that, there's quite a few articles about it uh, interesting to look at. And it comes back to a theme that we've been talking about, that uh, honesty and integrity are important. And I I think Kevin's narrative there just reinforces that, that across the board, uh, we need to hold our politicians accountable. And and again, that is the job of the fourth estate. That is supposed to be the job of the press, and, and not the press to uh, just take one side or the other or to be an advocate for one party or a, another party. The press, the free press, by design of the uh, founders of the United States of America, the idea of the fourth estate is that the press, the free press, would be uh, in an adversarial relationship with government. Not not an antagonistic one, but an adversarial relationship, so that when a politician says the, the sky is blue, the job of the press is to look out the window and make sure the sky is blue. And to verify that, and not to just accept that the sky is blue to make it uh, over oversimplified. So, uh, anyway, uh, Kevin, good point, and and it reminds us as we come up to uh, the midterms in uh, November of 2024, not too long from now, that it, at 2022 rather, November 2022, we we need to investigate. And again, my recommendation is that we look at more than one source. And, and that I, I read a lot of sources every day. Uh, some of them I rarely agree with, but it's important to look at them because you never know when there may be a nugget of information there, a nugget of truth that we, uh, that we need to take a look at. So a uh, good reminder, Kevin, thanks for that. Uh, I was talking earlier about the Centers for uh, Disease Control and Prevention, And words, words can trip us up, especially today. When uh, this uh, Bloomberg report talked about the CDC revamping and moving away from focusing on academic studies instead of prioritizing responding to emergencies, that worries me. That worries me. If academic studies means... Researching diseases, that's their job. That is the job of the CDC to do research about diseases, about epidemi- uh, epidemics. That's their job. And the job of the CDC is to provide recommendations on how to deal with those diseases, whether it's in the public sector, whether it's in uh, the the job sector, whatever it might be, employers. The CDC's job is to do the research on these diseases and then provide recommendations on how to deal with those diseases, how to mitigate the spread, but not to do mandates. The CDC has never, the, the concept was never that they would issue mandates and not to do field response. To me, and and again, I'm coming at this from a a former uh, position as a deputy chief and assistant chief with California State Office of Emergency Services. To me, response means boots on the ground. You're, You're out there, boots on the ground. You're responding to the emergency. That's not the job of the CDC. It is not the job of the CDC. The CDC is there to provide recommendations on how to handle the spread of disease. And then on the federal level, level, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and I've worked with FEMA uh, over the years when I was with the state, and uh, I think FEMA in many ways, at least then, did did a good job, especially in the area of urban search and rescue, which was my focus at the time. But there are agencies like FEMA, there are state agencies, there are county, regional and county and local agencies that are designed to, and as local agencies, they are tasked with first responder responses. They are the boots on the ground and what the CDC comes up with through their research is what the first responders should be looking at, the recommendations that come from the CDC, not mandates. And, and if, to me, uh, I'm worried about this report that they're going to prioritize responding to emergencies. No, we don't want the CDC responding to emergencies. We want the CDC doing good research, unbiased research, And then based upon that research, providing the recommendations uh, to the rest of the first responder professionals throughout the country so that they know this is how we handle this communicable disease, so that the health officers of the counties know what to do. CDC never should be issuing mandates and, in my opinion, should not be doing emergency response. We can talk more about that coming up. On the Mike Douglas Show, also an extra thought about the 87,000 IRS agents out there. In five minutes, Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We'll be back.
0: The show you love talking about the issues that are important to you. The Voice of the Valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now, every weekday from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show on this Friday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV on What's on Your Mind Friday. Friday's our time. You know, Monday through Thursday, we... We like to keep the phone calls in the lane of the topics that we're talking about at the time. On Fridays, we open it up. We just want to know what's on your mind. 209-551-3483. That's uh, the venue we use. The phone line here, 209-551-3483. So let's go to the phones right now and uh, to Mike in Manteca. Mike, what's on your mind today?
6: Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, about a couple weeks ago, or maybe a little less than a couple weeks ago, we were having a conversation about water conservation. And I called in and I talked about the percentage that are going to agriculture, the percentage of water that's going to uh, environmental, and then the percentage that is urban. And uh, at the end of that whole conversation where I threw out a bunch of statistics, you asked me a question that uh, was basically, what do we need to do about it? And uh, I, I couldn't give an answer at the time. So it's kind of been working my mind the whole two weeks that I've been sitting around thinking about it and listening to the show. And I think the only thing that we can do about it is, is vote to people, vote for people, listen, understand what the elected officials that are running for office stand for and that they're going to implement the changes and the policies that fit our lives better and that we believe that will better California. And and I was starting to look around and I just, I drive home, you know, I'm in the canning industry. So as I'm driving home, I pass by that arch in Modesto that says water, wealth, and contentment. And what came to mind is those were three things that built modesto basically and Nesto is an industrial town uh there's 96 percent of all the tomatoes in the world come right out of this area this neck of the woods and water is a big part of that and i was thinking that the california government officials that we have right now uh do not do anything they won't build three things that i think we need they won't build additional power plants they won't build water reservoirs to conserve our water to better uh you know uh, supply our farmers with water and they won't crack down on crime and i don't think we're going to ever get those people we got to get people in office that are going to go back to that way of living the way that built california central valley as much as it is and how alluring it is and how wonderful it is unless we get back to voting for officials that want water, wealth, and contentment again. You know, that that was just on my mind. It's been working my mind. And I will uh, pay attention to the voting. And I think we should all pay attention very closely to who we vote for and what they stand for. And uh, I think if we can get back, we can get some government officials in there in high places that want to go back to that water, wealth, and contentment here in the Central Valley, we're going to do all right.
1: Uh, great point, Mike, and I, I so much appreciate the fact that you've been mulling that over in your mind. Uh, it is one, and it's a good thing to identify the problem. Absolutely, uh, we need to accurately identify the problems that are out there. But then the next step is all right. What do we do about that problem? And so much of the the rhetoric today in politics, Mike, is uh, wringing hands over the problem and blaming someone else for the problem but not a lot of wise and well-reasoned and well-developed solutions and so i, I agree with you and, and part of that process and again, we are 81 days away from November 8, twenty two. And it gives us eighty-one days to research as much as possible what these candidates think about these issues. And Mike, you've been referring to that arch there in Modesto, water, wealth, contentment, and health. Water, wealth, contentment, health. And it seems like right now. One yeah, right. It seems like water. Wow, we're in uh, we're in deep water on water. Wealth, eh, we have eight and a half percent inflation. Contentment, not a lot of contentment right now. There's there's a, a lot of angst and health. Well, we've got all these COVID 19s and and now we got monkey and West Nile virus has been discovered in a couple of mosquitoes. I, you know that's a wonder that arch gives us a wonderful target to hit. And I agree with you, Mike. I'd, I'd like to see a lot of candidates be more specific about how they're going to uh, deal with these issues uh, especially as it regards uh, water and uh, and I think both sides of the aisle, Mike uh, and, and a lot of governors, uh, a lot of leaders in California, really, have been responsible for where we're at today. And it, it, it's time that we have some politicians who aren't looking towards getting reelected, not looking towards uh, uh, enlarging their campaign coffers, but are really willing to take the slings and arrows they meet may, may need to take in order to solve these problems. Uh, Mike, I'll give you the last word as you head into the weekend.
6: Well, I was thinking of three things that California needs to start building again. And it's uh, power plants, uh, water reservoirs and prisons <laughs>
1: that's all i have mm. to say <laughs> <laughs> okay mike very good thanks and and i i i appreciate mike's uh well reasoned and well thought out uh thoughts there very good this is what's on your mind friday on the mike douglas show great great calls thus far 209-551 three four eight three our number as we're in the second hour, believe it or not, on the Mike Douglas show today. Two zero nine five five one three four eight three and let's find out what's on Debbie's mind. Hi Debbie, welcome to the Friday show.
7: Thank you. Thank God it's Friday. Um Mike, are you there?
1: I am there. You might want to try turning down your radio in the background. Uh, sometimes it.
7: Oh God, it's in the other room. Okay, Hold on, that's all right. I'll turn it off, <laughs> not down. Hold on. <laughs> okay, yeah, what? Well... I got it. Hold on.
1: Okay, all right.
7: Okay, now this is this is what I heard, Mike, the young man that called in, uh-huh. sharing about how we could make improvements in our area, whether it's water or whatever it is. I don't know when you moved here, Mike. You, Mike Douglas, I don't know the year you moved here, but I moved here in 1978. And I came from every part of Southern California you can name. I've been there and done that, and a lot more. When I moved here, I was in shock, literal shock. What I experienced here at that time scared me. A very sophisticated, knowledgeable person from Southern California that worked for the government that worked for programs that needed to be worked for and piloted. I'm not a novice. But when I moved to Modesto, I had to pull my car over as I was going to Del Rio to a dinner. I had to pull it over because I was so frightened. I did. This is a person who's sophisticated. And that's what I experienced being in Modesto, California. And yet I can't talk about it because it's not up for public discussion. Like a lot of issues in California.
1: Okay, but so I well, think Modesto well, well,
7: has grown a lot to be proud of, even with all the restrictions. That's coming from your federal government more than it's coming from this area. Am I right or wrong?
1: Well, l- let me back up just a moment, and, and I, I understand you may not want to give the details, but you you said that you were shocked. Uh, when you were come up to the, I was Del- hysterical.
7: As what, a matter of fact, I pulled over to the side of the road because I, I was crying so hard.
1: Okay, I was why hysterical? What? And, and again, if it's inappropriate to tell us the specifics, don't do that. But can you give us an idea of generally what it was that that caused that response?
7: Well, I was going down McHenry, going to the club. You know, the, the, the very fancy place where all the people with money and prestige go for a special dinner, and as I crossed over McHenry and the Cross Street, and I hadn't gone very far, and on the right-hand side of the street was a lovely little kind of run-down bar-type area building, and on the left-hand side, there was equal to that. But what had made me hysterical, and I was hysterical. Thank God nobody was with me that could witness what, what I went through. There was a big cross burning do you want me to fill in some more blanks?
1: No. So, so what you're saying is there was evidence of uh, KKK presence. Is is that what you're saying?
7: But I had never witnessed anything like that, mm. Mike. I didn't come from any of that. Yes, that's what it was.
1: Well, I I don't blame you for being shocked.
7: No, I was hysterical. There was a difference from being shocked, and you know, remember, I came from Southern California and did a lot of things in Southern California. So hysterical is more appropriate. I, I, I sat in the car and turned off the engine and just cried and cried and cried and shook. i have never experienced anything like that in my life.
1: So so I think
7: have come a br- long way.
1: Br- yeah, well, yeah well, and that's my next question. So bring us to uh, August 19, 2022. In your opinion, uh, how has this area moved away from that? How, how, are we, how are we doing with that?
7: Well, to the best of my ability to have been shared with many people of position that little by little by little filled in the blanks that I knew nothing about. And I should have been more sophisticated coming from Southern California. I've witnessed a lot of things, but nothing like that. And what was eventually shared with me, to me, was, and these are people of position, that that still exists, but not on the top of the surface. It's gone underground. I don't know where it went, and I don't want to know. All I want is for us to have the better city and community that we have now. And I see a lot of progress in the years I've lived here. So maybe that was part of my education about living in the state of California. I don't know. All I know is everything that happens to us. There's a reason for it, and that's the way I accept it today.
1: Well, I, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. That was your introduction to this area. I did not come to this area until, oh man, on the top of my head, I think it was in the mid 1990s. So it was quite a long time after uh, after you were here. And again, I'm from Southern California as well. And and you know, at the, at the time, there were uh, and probably still are uh, skinheads in in Southern California and uh, Aryan gangs and that sort of thing. Uh, but as you Mike, say, probably they not started on in the Tracy
7: and Modesto.
1: Yeah, not on the surface. I've
7: done my homework.
1: Oh, okay. What I'm saying is, not on the surface as they once might have been. So, and and that's something. they're no, uh,
7: underground.
1: Well, and and if they are, then they need to be rooted out.
7: We can't do it. They're too significant. There's no way to do it. I wish there were, but they're not. It is what it is. But the progress that that this area has made for their citizens, and now the other night watching the meeting where they're going to go to the south Modesto and fix their, their waters and their gutters and things that they had to go through. When I first moved here with my son, he was 14 years old, and I lived near Davis High School. My son went to school drenched every winter and came home drenched. Because we didn't have proper sewers then either, and that was a pretty decent area. Do you know what I mean? hmm So it hasn't got anything to do with your established position of your society, because Scott had to go through that being soaked coming and going, because they didn't have decent sewers then. We didn't have a decent sewer system, and what I've been told by very significant people who've been here for generations, that the sewer system in, in this Modesto has been defective long before i even moved here so little by little they've improved it in other words and the first home i bought here my home was flooded every single winter right up to the porch and then finally they kept working on it and working on it and finally i didn't have to experience that anymore so well, that's a lot. That,
1: that. that is progress, uh, Debbie. Thank you. Uh, let me uh, r- respond just in, in general brush brush strokes here, uh, Debbie. I, I believe there will always be bad people. <laughs> uh, if you if you read uh, scripture from Genesis to the end of Revelation, they they don't go away. Uh, bad people, evil people will always be part of our society. The question is, how do we deal with them? And uh, the the fact that they have to go underground is a good thing, uh, that they're not accepted and that uh, they're not allowed to uh, to flourish. There will always be underground people who are unbalanced, uh, who are evil, and who are unproduc- unproductive uh, members of, of society. Uh, so we will we will always have that, sad to say, we'll never be able to purge that totally. So i would uh, I would agree with you on that and, and not just in in the case of the KKK, but in 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 the case of a lot of different uh, evil that pervades uh, our society and and the world as well. The question is, how do we deal with it? Do we deal with it effectively? And so I think there is progress there. And then the other, um, as you were mentioning, the, uh, the sewer system, I think there's an issue that we need to hold our local uh, leaders accountable for, and that is building infrastructure ahead of development. Building infrastructure ahead of development so that we don't play catch-up with sewer systems and roadways and the general infrastructure that's needed. And I don't mean infrastructure the way Pete Buttigieg uh, tends to believe it is. But I'm talking about you know, the roadways, the sewer systems, the transportation systems, uh, how uh, how big our roadways are, uh, the routes. Uh, anyway, the whole infrastructure system We in, in our planning processes, we need to build that ahead of, the development, in my opinion. And we need to vote for people who are committed to that. So, uh, Debbie, thank you for bringing up some of those issues. It is What's on Your Mind Friday. Coming up in three minutes, we're going to find out what's on Robert's mind in Stockton. Our number here, 209-551-3483. We'll get to Robert in three minutes. Here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
0: He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show, on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on What's on Your Mind Friday. Lee and Robert have been patiently waiting on the phones. Uh, Let's go first to uh, Lee in Modesto. Lee, what's on your mind today?
8: Yes, I'm calling about Pelosi's husband. With him getting the DUI and was over the limit. Plus, hitting a vehicle and hurting someone.
6: Mm-hmm.
8: I feel that whoever—I don't care—all of the United States people should be calling in. And if they got a DUI, which I did, I want mine taken off my record. If he gets his taken off, uh, the only difference between me and him is his pocketbook. Lee, and, and- he's, got, he's got money to.
1: Yeah, th- this this is the crux of a lot of angst today, Lee, and it's it's the problem that it's, it's a, at least a two-tiered justice system, yeah. that those who are attached to power and control and influence seem to have one justice system, and uh, you and I seem to have another one. And there is not consistency in the application of the law. And I... Uh, I, th- I think the more that happens, uh, the more we're going to see people getting more and more uptight and we're going to see some some pretty, uh, I think, uh, aggressive pushbacks, whatever that may mean in the future. But, Lee, that's uh, that it's not just annoying. It's uh, it's anti-American and it keeps chipping away at our societal structure the rule of law ought to be the rule of law rightly and justice needs to be blind
8: i agree and what's right's right and what's wrong's wrong i did wrong he did wrong but i'm lucky i never hit no one i never hurt no one but i had to pay the price of doing going to court, everything else, getting lawyers, school, afterwards, and he's no better than I am.
1: Amen to that. Absolutely. It's the issue of selective enforcement. Lee needs to end, and we need to make sure that our uh, local officials and politicians uh, deal with that Robert from Stockton, hang in there, my friend. I will get to you in five minutes as the Mike Douglas Show continues here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till
0: 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from three till five on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show on What's on Your Mind Friday. Our phone number two zero nine five five one three four eight three it's what's on your mind friday so let's find out what's on your mind and we're going to go to robert who has been very very patiently waiting robert thanks for your patience and what's on your mind today
9: hey i'm just calling because i heard that lady debbie and her describe her reaction that sounded way way over the top uh of regarding what she said was a cross burning i grew up in stockton in Modesto area, in California for 61 years, predominantly Stockton. I lived in San Diego for three years while I was in the Marine Corps. I'm Mexican. I've never experienced racism other than, you know, different races. Mexicans are racist. Blacks are racist. Whites are racist. But predominantly, everybody gets along. This is the most integrated society we've ever had. You can't go anywhere where there's not a Mexican, a black, an Asian, uh, a white working in the same place i'm talking restaurants banks the, the government the military everywhere we've got black president we've had black we got a black vice president uh every politician throughout california you have every race i mean throughout the country where is this stuff where we're racially divided this this white supremacist problem i haven't seen it my sister owns a house in lodi and she's mexican i go to lodi all the time the I don't have any problem with white supremacists trying to do anything to me. Everybody's always polite. You, the people treat you the way you treat them. My church, we all get along, and it's black and Mexican and white. I, I don't know. There's, there's these people who's pushing the CRT and this administration are trying to divide this country with this white supremacist, which is, I think, code for conservative Trump supporters that are are destroying this country, and it's a bunch of bull. okay? I mean, I'm in Stockton right now. I'm at Hammer Lane and Pacific Avenue. I'm getting snacks at a wing stop. There's Mexicans and blacks in there and whites. Guess what? They're getting along. Everybody's getting along. Quit trying to separate us. Quit trying to act like this is a big problem. There might have been a KKK problem back in history. There's a lot of things that happened back in history, but this is not then
2: at all
1: Robert, thank you. I, I appreciate yeah, thank you I appreciate that. I, I think one of the uh, the issues today, Robert, is there, and I'm not talking about Debbie at all. I'm, I'm just speaking in general terms here. there are elements of our culture that want to divide us all the time. They and, and this is and, and again, please Debbie, if you're listening, this is not referring to you. I want to make that clear. There are elements of socialism and Marxism who, by design, want to divide us. Want to divide us either by race, or by gender, or by religion, or lack thereof. And it's one of those dynamics, Robert, where if you're looking for something, and I'm talking about those today who are just aggressively in search of ways to be offended. If you're looking for ways to be offended, you'll get offended. I guarantee it. Exactly. I guarantee it. Yeah, Robert, and, uh, you know, I can't speak for Latinos. I can't speak for you because I'm of a different race. But what I can do is I can listen to you and, and learn from you. And I think one of the problems that we have today, Robert, is is there's not a lot of two-way conversations going on. There are a lot of, uh, there is a lot of finger pointing. Uh, there's a lot of accusations. Uh, there's a lot of trying to cancel someone out, make them into a victim, uh, forcing them to be a victim. And that that's all part of turning the tide, and it's why I think in terms of public officials, we need to really research who we're voting for uh, in uh, 81 days, November 22, and then, of course, uh, November 2024 as well. Uh, I believe we can turn this corner, Robert, and, and the reason I believe that is because there are people like you out there who have a healthy attitude and are saying look let's let let's not take on the mantle of victimhood let's not be defined by other people let's be defined by who we are and uh, and let's live healthy lives and let's take the initiative to do that so i i thank you robert for bringing your perspective and i'll I'll give you the final word before you head into the weekend here
9: No, you ha- you hit it straight on quit playing the victim you know, uh, people can go on forever playing the victim card and you'll always be a victim. I don't have anything to do with that. I was never a victim. And the people I know, they were never slaves. Uh, we just all get along. We're brothers in Christ. When I was in the military, we all bled red and we were all green. Mm. Um, you know, it's the, the thing that they're trying to teach is the CRT critical race theory. And that is trying to, that is bad. And that is, you know, quit trying to make people feel bad that they're white. Hey, white people, quit feeling bad that you're white. I don't feel bad, you know, I'm half Mexican, half white. I don't feel bad at all. You know what? I'm an American. And that's another thing. Take that question off every government form and any other form that asks what race you are. We're supposed to be a colorblind country. Why do they ask that question, period, unless they're going to either use it for discrimination or reverse discrimination? But either word, the discrimination is in there.
1: Robert, I appreciate your attitude and your uh, enthusiasm and your perspective there. Thanks so much for the call. Really appreciate it and uh, your contribution to what's on your mind Friday today. And, Robert, uh, may I recommend on Fridays I, I, I do this from time to time. I've got so many books stacked up. I'm I'm desperately trying to get through a lot of them because there's a lot of good ones that have come out. But, Robert, uh, your comments just uh, just now, I just— and, and this book has just been published. Just received this in the mail. I'm saying just a lot, but it's because it just happened. Uh, it is the, the name of the book. The title is Woked Up, W-O-K-E-D, Up. Woked Up, it's by Kevin McGarry. Uh, a black man who I highly respect, and we've interviewed him on the show here maybe about a a year and a half ago. I just uh, saw him at a conference I was at about a a month or so ago. It's called Woked Up, Finally Putting an Axe to the Taproot of White Supremacy and Racism in America. It is a really good read. And it's a guy that's well centered and he he has his head on right and and he's encouraging. And Robert I and many of you who may resonate with what Robert was saying, you might appreciate this as well. Again, it's called Woked Up by kevin mcgarry M C G A R Y. kevin mcgarry well worth the read i'm uh, a little ways through it highly recommend it all right it is what's on your mind friday our phone number to tell us what's on your mind 209-551-3483 let's uh, go out to oakdale again and to kathleen hi kathleen a wonderful friday to you what's on your mind
10: Oh, what's on my mind? uh well, I'd like to comment on a little bit on what Debbie said, and not so much on what Robert said, except to say that um I agree completely and wholeheartedly and uh I really want to encourage him um for having spoken up like that but uh I know what Debbie's saying because uh this uh uh, we have bloodlines here, two bloodlines. Uh, basically, it's peasants. Uh, it's like the marriage of the opera, marriage of Figaro, uh, Figaro, and um, uh, peasant, and then 49ers, and and they're both peasants, and they both are multicolored, multi-race, and they all get along, and they even get along with each other, and um, but the 49ers, they are the opposite of nationalism and the uh marriage of figaro those peasants they are very much nationalism so there are differences and then uh as far as that high school uh, grace davis i think she said at that time in 76 um manessa was going through changes from that traditional bloodline into what it is today and i would say that um, robert described it as it is today and um so it, it's coming from that past that marriage of figaro past that was Uh, uh, living side by side with the 49ers. And they. um, so this uh, principal at that time, he was like uh, the character in uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, I don't know that he thought he was going to die. That was the reason for his Breaking Bad. But he was just outrageous, and he was infamous and behind the scenes uh, and his uh, sexual activity uh, with, uh, uh, like... uh, Incest within his family, and and there was there's this whole thing with this opera, this Marriage of Figaro thing. This whole community of incest and pedophilia uh, that goes on in this uh, in this Modesto's version of Marriage of Figaro, and that the peasants uh, uh they're bred to uh, put up with it, and um, and that just clashes with the Forty Niners uh, and.
1: Um, okay, when the, you when uh, you, I. I'm rarely at a loss for it's words, corruption. but hey, 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 cor- let me ask you a question. Okay. I assume when you say 49ers, you're not talking talking about the football team. I, I, are you talking about the the 49ers who who came to California in search of gold? Is that who you're talking about?
10: Yeah, in search okay. of in search of gold, and uh, but they came west and they settled west. And there's even a lot of. Um, what they at one time were called Okies, uh, the Dust Bowl. So this is a lot of people who who headed uh, from other parts of the country. They headed west, and they're here. And I just call all of them uh, 49ers, and and they're here, um, you know, to make a living, to be a Californian, and, and and all the excitement that's involved with that. It isn't necessarily mining for gold, but. Uh, it is a uh, uh, pursuit of happiness. Definitely, pursuit of happiness is what they have in mind when they move to California, and uh, we all, you know, applaud that and encourage that in each other. And California is a uh, is a it's a tough environment in its uh, yes, in its it own is. way. And uh, so you you gotta uh, stick up for each other. And so we do. We do 49 stick up for each other, and they stick up for the marriage of Figaro, uh, peasantry also. But uh, that uh, that. That lack of sophistication and that and that uh there's um they are uh that marriage to figure out they the opera makes it look uh kind of uh nice uh, uh, but it is it is dark it is not nice and uh right um, uh, kathleen i've uh, so. i've gotta
1: hit a gotta hear a hit a break here in a moment uh thank you for the call I appreciate that i i do want to Marriage of Figaro, I've it's been a long time since I've, I've seen that. I never saw Breaking Bad, uh, so I'm, I'm unfortunately missing your, your reference to that. I do want to pick up on one thing you, you said, though, before I have to come back here in three minutes, and, and that is, as many of you know, I, I do a lot of funerals as, as a community pastor. I can't tell you how many memorial services, funerals, gravesite services I've done for people who came to California during the Dust Bowl era uh, from, uh, from states like Oklahoma and such. And some of them were met in the base, in the, for example, in the Bakersfield area, unfortunately, by people with baseball bats that wanted to turn them away. But so many came to California willing to do anything, and, and they worked hard by the sweat of their brow, by, by sheer determination, and they built a better life here. They built a better life for their families. And what it took was a focus on hard work and, f- <coughs> excuse me, family values. I've got to, let me go to the break here while I recover from Whatever I'm recovering from. Uh Kathleen, I'll finish the thought in three minutes. Marriage of Figaro break bad. I don't know, but I do have a point I want to finish about those who came here during uh during the Dust Bowl era. And I'll finish that thought in three minutes right here on the Mike Douglas show on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Are they-
0: take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360
1: KFIV. And welcome back to What's on Your Mind Friday on the Mike Douglas Show, 209-551-3483. And uh, appreciate Kathleen bringing up those who came to California, especially uh, during the Dust Bowl era and uh, the the Great Depression. Again, I've, I've done a lot of funeral memorial services for for these folks over the years and and there are stories I'll just tell you one there there was a a lady that and she was very young at the time who who came and I believe it was from Oklahoma in in the throes of the dust bowl area era she came here as a, a child in order to make ends meet for her family she went down to apparently some place that was producing uh, or making glass. I don't know what kind of glass it was, but in, in uh, the process of making that glass, they had to use uh, a solution in order to uh, uh, not only clean the glass, but also to uh, help cure it and form it, etc. And uh, it turns out that through these throwaway materials, through the waste materials of that glass plant, that you could take the waste materials and make a uh, very inexpensive soap from it. And so this, uh, this lady at, at a very young age would go down to the glass plant and she would gather up all the waste. Couldn't do it today, of course. The EPA would scream and... <clears throat> you know. Anyway, it couldn't happen today, but back then it could. And and she would gather up all that waste product from the glass factory, and she would make soap, and she would sell the soap to other people to uh, help support her family as a child. And so it's just kind of work ethic. It's this type of determination to overcome what's in front of us. We need that spirit again. And uh, so, Kathleen, that uh, your your comments remind me of that. I had uh, wait, one other footnote I wanted to get in today, if at all possible. And a retired FBI agent, uh, Bob, made me aware of this. We were talking yesterday about the 87,000 IRS agents, and I looked at the video showing them uh, in their firearms training. Uh, the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration uh, oversees the Criminal Investigation Division attached to the IRS. And uh, the Criminal Investigation Division of the IRS, they investigate potential criminal violations of the IRS code. And the special agents that carry weapons and are charged with enforcement, they must pass tests, uh, including handgun qualification, et cetera, et cetera. Well, back in 2012, there was an investigation by the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. And they found that uh, the IRS Criminal Investigation Division's firearm training and qualification requirements generally were good, but they found out that some of the IRS special agents didn't meet all the firearms training and qualification requirements. And they found that they didn't always take consistent and appropriate actions in management when a special agent failed to meet those requirements. They also found there was no national-level review of firearms training records to ensure that all special agents met the qualification requirements. How do we know this? We know this from a memo that came out on October 2nd, 2020, uh, 2012 and the T, uh, T I G T A, the, uh, treasury inspector general for tax administration said, it's imperative that the criminal investigation ensure that all its special agents are well-trained. Special agents are not properly trained in the use of firearms, should or could endanger the public as well as their special agents, and they expose the IRS to potential litigation over injuries or damages. So they recommend that they they tighten up things. One, that uh, the Criminal Investigation Division of the IRS enforce the Internal Revenue Manual requirement the special agents who do not meet training requirements surrender their firearms, or to modify the uh, internal revenue manual, uh, manual to reflect revised consequences of not meeting the treasury uh, the treasury requirements for training. And so, I'm hoping, as I squeeze this in here, I'm hoping that those problems that surfaced in 2012. Amongst IRS agents with guns, not properly qualifying and not properly trained. I hope that's been solved. Now that we have eighty-seven thousand more of them, we shall see. Thank you so much for involving your voice and what's on your mind. Friday, have a wonderful weekend. I will look forward to seeing you Monday at three o'clock here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV.